Good afternoon. Welcome to Inside Indiana Sports Now with Kent Sterling. It's Monday, October 26th, 2020. We're brought to you, as always, by the great people of today's dentistry. 317-849-2933, the number to call to take control of your dental health. Dr. Mike O'Neill, flat out the best dentist I've ever gone to, the only dentist I've gone to the last 27 years. 317-849-2933. Colts, the bye week's over. It's time to get back to football in Indianapolis. They've got a game this Sunday against the Detroit Lions up in Detroit. Let's welcome to the show the great Frank Reich. Frank, thanks for taking the time. Let me ask you this question. What kind of an advantage, how big an advantage do you get from having the week off as opposed to the Lions who had to play yesterday? I think there's been a lot of studies done on that over the years um, that can suggest a, a variety of things. Personally, um, you know, there's all the, the one advantage is, is, is a, it's a chance to get healthy. Um, so to the degree that you can get players healthy and get more guys playing, I think that's the biggest advantage. As far as the extra preparation time with the way bye weeks go, where you're not really going out and practicing so much, it's more about getting healthy and getting rested. During the bye week, do you take a little bit of time to kind of cheat forward and prepare a bit against the Ravens or prepare for that Thursday night game, the short week against Tennessee? Yeah, there was a little week, uh, there was, excuse me, there was a little bit of work done on games other than Detroit last week, some preliminary work, you know, the Titans game, which is a Thursday night game, you know, so that's that's a tight week. So um, the coordinators all had, you know, the coordinators all had a good plan. You know, you got to balance that off. You can't go too far out and do too much. But there's a few certain things that you can just take a little bit of the edge off for that week. And, okay, we can do X, Y, Z this week while we have the time. And it makes sense. It's pretty common practice by everybody. But we certainly did our due diligence in those areas. Frank, what's the deal with the running game? Did you find anything over the course of the week during the self-scout that might reveal something as to why it's difficult for you to run the football? Um, you know, last week we, we looked at everything, but we probably put an emphasis on our zone run run game just because that's what we run the most. Um, and actually, you know, in a lot of ways, we, we were encouraged uh, as far as at the point of attack, um, you know, at the point of attack, how we, you know, anytime you're talking about zone blocking scheme, it's about combination blocks. It's about footwork and technique um, and combination blocks. And so as far as our execution, and how the offensive line is performing at, at those combination blocks, we felt like it was, it was pretty good. Some of it was situational. Some of it was heavy box, unaccounted force player, um, heavy crack replace, things, things along that nature. Um, and there's always different ways that we, as an offense, try to address those things. So um, yeah, there, there's some things we definitely need to work on. Um, but I felt like I, I felt like we were encouraged. We just got to keep calling it. We got to keep getting in the right situations to call it, and and just keep trusting our guys to to do what we know they can do. But that's still your identity, right? No question. This is our identity. We are committed uh, to the run. Now we have not been committed to the run as much as we would have liked to. I still think some of that is situational. A, a decent portion of that is situational, but that's who we want to be. We want we want to run the football. What else stood out from the self scout? Um, you know, in the past game, 
you know, in the past game, we were really looking at situational stuff, third down, red zone. Um, we made a little bit of progress, obviously, in our last game. But, okay, how do we build upon that? Um, so we, we kind of dove in heavy there. And then we also, the other thing you look at self-scout is tendency things. You know, what, what are we doing by personnel group? What are we doing by formation? Um, that is a little bit of a tendency. We, we look at that every week. You, you guys know, we, we talk about this all the time. You know, the, in the old days, you'd wait to the bye week to do all the heavy lifting as far as self-scout. With the technology today, teams do heavy they do that we do heavy lifting on self-scout every week we literally do um so at, okay so maybe you do a little bit more but and we did look at all those things as far as personnel groupings formations and all that stuff and hey, what's the reason for marcus johnson's big playability is it just flat out speed first is what you mentioned is it's the speed and um marcus is explosive uh, but the second thing is you know, just the the ability to make the 50-50 catch. Um, a, a couple of the ones he's had, he's he's had good leverage and, and and run by guys, but a couple of those, most of the big plays that he's made have required him going up, high pointing the ball or tracking the ball. So being able to high point and track the football, are those are kind of two separate skills um, along with the speed that, that he's doing very well right now. What's your defense get back when Kamoko Ture returns? I think Kamoko's unique gift is is speed and bend, speed and bend off the edge. And and when I say speed, there's really, a, I should say there's a third element to that. It's get off. You know, all the really good pass rushers have a natural knack at getting off on the ball. And, and I think Kamoko has that. And then, you know, just his speed up the field, number two, but then the third part is the bend. For a guy his size, um, we all know this, but just there, there's a, everybody at this level bends well, but then there's guys who have a little bit extra bend for their size and strength. And Kamoko's one of those guys. Uh, for example, another guy like that, I'm not putting uh, Kamoko in the same category as a Miles Garrett um, at this point. Um, we, but that's what Miles Garrett does so well. Miles Garrett has that speed speed and bend. And when you have that as a pass rusher, the dynamic is, hey, the tackle, he's passed setting on you. You're already off the ball. But with your great speed, you're already putting the tackle in a difficult position. But then that ability to bend is really what gets you past the, the tackle's hips. Because it's all about, as a pass rusher, as a speed pass rusher, it's about getting your hips past the tackle's hips. Uh, and getting up and having the speed and bend to be able to do that. And we think Kamoko has those traits. So, um, and he's shown that. And uh, we're anxious to get him back out there when we can and if we can. Does he need to practice a week or two before he's activated? No, the, you know, the plan, the, the plan will be to, the plan will be, um, regardless of how that plays out, the plan will be, hey, we got to practice this guy a couple weeks before we do anything. I mean, he's going to have to, prove he can do it out in the practice field first before we think about, you know, putting him back out in the game. Has Phillip Rivers been able to positively impact your defense, kind of teach the corners, the safeties, the DBs, linebackers, whomever, kind of how to hide things or what an unexperienced quarterback like Rivers looks for? Yeah, no, and I think Phillip has had some good conversations with with Flus 
you know, to help those, those are, yeah, those are great little tips. The player to player learning and the player to player coaching. I mean, my experience as a player and as a coach, it's hard to put a, it's hard to put a number on that. I mean, that, that stuff is gold. It's really important. You get a guy like Philip who's, who's been around and is so good at seeing little things, little things that kind of tip him as a quarterback. And, you know, I just give Kenny and, and the other guys credit, you know, anybody he's talking to, you know, and, and Philip, here's the other good thing about him. He's not, not going to overdo it. He's, he's not going to throw out 15 things. He's going to throw out the one or two things that you can bank on. Hey, this is a definite because then there's, there's other things that are in the category of, you know, not quite crystal clear, but uh, so Philip would do a great job of that. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate the time. Frank Reich's Colts going to take on the Detroit Lions up in Detroit this Sunday. And that means you got to find a way to stop Matt Stafford because Matt Stafford can flat out beat you. You got to put them down and you got to keep them down. I don't think that there's any question that from one through 53, this roster is more talented than the Lions roster. But when the other guys have Matthew Stafford, that's a team that you've got to reckon with and you've got to put them down. You've got to play them hard for 60 minutes. We saw what happens when you don't. Yesterday, the Falcons had an opportunity to win that game against the Lions. They didn't get it done. Why? Number one, Stafford. But number two, they're not a very disciplined, well-coached team. And that's why their head coach lost his job. Dan Quinn out. And so they're trying to figure out who they are and what they are. Matt Ryan played really well yesterday, but it wasn't enough to get the job done. Let's hope that the Colts can go into Detroit, come home with a win, because if they do, you're 5-2, and two, and then you head to a part of the schedule where you are going to be challenged week to week to week, and the going is going to get tough, and you got to get healthy, and hopefully Kamoko Ture is able to get healthy. Let's talk about the Hoosiers. You see I'm wearing red, right? Again, I got red stuff. I'm going to wear red stuff all damn week, because Indiana, what they did against the Penn State Nittany Lions on Saturday night was absolutely fantastic. That was a great game. Normally, like when you see a replay review take place, you have a pretty good idea what the call is going to be. Mike Pereira was at a loss maybe four times during that game as there were 50-50 calls that were adjudicated, including that last call with Michael Penix reaching out with his left arm to try to get that ball to break the plane of the goal line on the field. It was ruled good. Two-point conversion, good. They didn't see anything on the replay to overturn it. And so Indiana wins 36-35, the first time Indiana's beaten a top-10 team since 1987. That's a long time. That covers 42 different contests between Indiana and a top-10 team. And that's the first one that Indiana won. The 43rd was the lucky one. Michael Penix was really not good for a long expanse of that game. And then with a minute 42 left in regulation, he got really accurate and he started hitting guys in the hands and they started catching the ball and Indiana matriculated the ball down the field and they scored the touchdown almost with too much time left on the clock. Penn State had a chance to win it in regulation with a 57-yard attempt that fell maybe three feet short. So Indiana gets the win and that's what counts. Love it. Good for Indiana figuring out a way to get that done. They've got Rutgers this week, and I don't know what to expect. And I'm not going to talk about what we're going to expect. We just, when Indiana gets a win like this, we bask in the glow of the win. 
We don't look for reasons to be dour about the future. We don't look at Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State, and although Michigan State doesn't look very good, the game against Wisconsin, we don't look at these games and say, oh, man, a reckoning is coming for the Hoosiers. We don't do that. We take the win, we celebrate all week, and then on Saturday, hopefully, they get it done again. We'll see what happens. You don't argue with winning, all right? Arizona, they want to enter the independent accountability review process of the NCAA. And why do they want to do that? Because it seems like that is the longest way to a conclusion for Arizona. Arizona is accused of lack of institutional control, lack of head coach control, and three other level one violations against the NCAA rulebook. And so that's big trouble. But if they can go to the IARP, that can take a long time. And, and if you break a rule or break a law and the consequence comes in like three years, what the hell, right? So that's what, that's what Arizona's doing. Hopefully, the IARP has a backlog that's long enough that they aren't going to get to Arizona for a long time. This is what happens. The Condoleezza Rice Commission on College Basketball, right? When you put a bunch of do-gooder bureaucrats in a room, this is what you wind up with. You wind up with a, a system that does not disincent the bad actors because they're do-gooders. They don't understand the way the brain of the bad actor works. So the NCAA, based upon the recommendation of that Rice Commission, what happened, they've implemented a system where the bad actors can kind of get away with murder for a long time. And even if a reckoning does come, they're stuffing their pockets full of cash until it finally does. That's the way it works. Tomorrow morning, breakfast with Kent. I don't know. What are we going to do? It's Halloween week. Indiana won against a top 10 opponent. They're ranked 17th. They're not the 17th best team in college football, but who gives a damn on a week like this? They, they, they are what the voters say they are. 17th, good. Win against Rutgers, move up to 15th. Let's see how high we can get this thing. Before it all goes south, as we know it will, I've gotten down and I said I wasn't going to do it. I apologize. Breakfast with Kent, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning on Facebook Live and right after that on Twitter and Periscope. I cannot wait to talk to you then. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry.